In today's show, we're looking at the San Antonio Spurs and their fantasy basketball value for 2022-2023. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at Basketball Monster and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. San Antonio Spurs time. Um, I'm recording this on the 23rd of September, so a few days ago, because I'm currently just having a couple of days break. So if anything major happened with the Spurs, I apologize. I'm not going to cover it here because I don't know about it, but I'll talk about it when I get back in, in a couple of days' time. hope you guys have enjoyed all of these shows. We are getting down to the end of the ability to enter the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl. So, warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> All right, we're getting into the Spurs division here. Spurs division for categories or Spurs division for points. You email lofbbowl at gmail.com. In the subject line, you write Spurs Cats if you want in category leagues. In the points league, you write Spurs Points. If it, it should be, You should be aware by now that if you don't make it into one of the divisions, I don't send a rejection uh, email. There are literally 500 emails every day that come through um, applying for these you know, 12 spots or however many there is in each league. So I'm not going through and sending rejection emails to everyone, unfortunately. If you get in, you will get an invite from Fantrax. And then after that, once it's all sorted and everyone's paid up, you'll get a draft order email and then the drafts will start. The majority are starting on September the 29th. Some are starting at the beginning of October, um, but you will see that in your league. This is a 360-team league um, for categories and for points. Grand total... Grand winner wins $4,500. It's a $25 entry. I think you're going to enjoy it. I think it's going to be fun, and I want to really build it up into something big. And I'd love if you guys talked about it on social media and we get something big happening. I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm not fooling myself with any level of delusion. It, you know, maybe it's good. Maybe it's solid. Maybe it's average. Maybe it's great. I don't know, but I want it to be great. So let's hope it does. Later in the show, I will tell you something to include in the body of the email, which will be your key to access the league. Let's talk about the schedule for the San Antonio Spurs. Nothing really stands out, to be honest, much like the Spurs in general. 51 quality games, league average. 14 back-to-backs. I'm not really sure that's going to have an impact too much on this Spurs team. The playoffs that end on March the 19th, my recommended end date. I still get this question every day. Hey, Josh, when do you recommend ending fantasy leagues? And all that tells me is, hey, they don't listen to the podcast. And B... I don't listen to the podcast. <laughs> I don't know what I was going to say there. 10 games, March 19th, 4-2-4. The dreaded two-game week. Yuck. But remember, in these two little sections, the March 19th and the March 26th, there are a lot of teams that have two-game weeks. So it's not as much of a killer. Ending on March 26th, it's 10 games as well. It's a 2-4-4. And then if you go Yahoo default, ending on April 2nd, it's 11 games. A 4-4-3 playoff schedule for the old San Antonio Spurs. Is this the last season of Greg Popovich? Been saying that for five years. So much like when is LeBron going to drop off, I'm just going to stop asking it now. I just asked it then, but that was just so I could get into a spiel about how I'm not going to ask it. Let's look at pressure points. What impacts the projections? They are clearly tanking. 
They got out of the DeJounte Murray business at the peak of his powers. They realized they weren't going anywhere because you know, with DeJounte Murray, they weren't going anywhere. They were the 10th seed with 34 wins. They weren't going anywhere with that team. And they said, oh, there's a guy that's uh, six foot four, looks like a cartoon on the court, and he might be really, really good. And his name is Victor Wembenyama. So let's see if we can get him. Now, of course, tanking, you don't guarantee yourself a top one pick, or the number one pick, or a top two pick, or a top three pick, or even a top four pick. But they're going to be bad this season. But do they sell off? Now, there's not many options to sell off. They just signed Keldon Johnson to an extension. It's hard to trade players on rookie extensions due to base year compensation issues about incoming and outgoing salary being different. Maybe, I don't think they want to sell Devin Vassell. Um, Doug McDermott, what's he garnering on the market? Jakob Pertl's the one. He's an expiring contract. He's a, he's a top five defensive center in the NBA and he would help teams. Boston, maybe. Do you want to have a look at him? He might work for them. Um, he's really good. But who else? Gorgie Jing, Keita Bates-Diop, Trey Jones, Josh Primo. These are all still young guys. So really, yeah, you know, I would have looked to trade Kelton because I don't really believe in him as a number one, number two, number three guy. Uh, but they can't really do that now. So it's Pirtle, really. Do they sell off on Pirtle? And see where we go. The other thing that's in, is key is these are role players. Kelton Johnson, Devin Vassell, Trey Jones. We're expecting them because literally somebody has to. These guys have to elevate into top options because you can't not have a number one option. They might not be a number one option on 29 other NBA teams, but somebody is going to be the number one option on this team. But what does it mean? Like we expect Calden to be the number one and Vassell to be number two. And they will get those shots because again, somebody has to take the shots. But what if they're just so bad at this role that they shoot 38% Jalen Sugg style or they turn it over 10 times a game? That's getting too far. But what if they are just horribly, horribly outmatched in these outsized roles that any value they get through volume is taken away through efficiency? Now, I think there will be a hit in efficiency and that'll, that'll happen for these top guys taking that step up. But maybe it's way worse than I think. Or maybe they just play egalitarian basketball and everyone has a 20% usage. I don't think they'll do that. But what if they do that? And no one, there'll still be someone who elevates marginally into number one. What if it's not as big of an elevation as we think, as we saw DeJounte Murray do last season? That is possible. And that, that is something that we need to be wary of when drafting these guys, who all come in with some good value. But we look at it and go, well, yeah, this might happen, and this one's going to get shots, and then he's going to be this good. But when you're in the 50s and 60s and 70s in draft ranges, just small, small tweaks or changes to a projection can drop up like 20 spots, 30 spots, 40 spots really easily. And that might be shooting 45 instead of 47%. That, that might be it. It might be going to the free throw line three times instead of four and a half times. It doesn't sound like much. It's one and a half free throw attempts a game. But it makes a big difference. And yeah, that's where we can be off on these things. And these are guys playing roles that they've never done before. So there is an element of risk with a lot of these players. We'll talk about them individually in a second. But before I talk about them individually, let's talk about Bet Online, the number one source for all pro football betting info this season. Find all of the latest betting developments, player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. Hmm. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. 
So head to the website, betterline.net, and check out all of week four in the NFL, week five in college football. All those games are up, ready to go. I can't tell you what they are now because I'm recording before that. But go and check them out. Head to betterline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline is where the game starts. Breakout candidates. It's a long list. Devin Vassell, Calden Johnson, Trey Jones, Jakob Pertle even, Joshua Primo. Vassell, I really think he's a good player. I was pretty high on him as a draft prospect. I was pretty high on him last season after the Derek White trade. And I thought he was okay there, like top 90 in 29.7 minutes, I think it was, post-trade post deadline. And now he will start, you would guess. And he'll play better minutes and he'll have more usage. Let's see if he can maintain steal rate and efficiency and work on some other parts of his game. Does he get to the line more? Does he distribute more? He's got a chance to really... Like DeJounte Murray was on a bad team, took over from DeMar DeRozan and elevated himself into an all-star replacement. Now, I don't think that Devin Vassell will do that. But when there are opportunities there, someone steps into them. And Vassell is going to announce himself as a very good 3 and D wing this season with maybe a little bit of upside offensive creation. I think Keldon Johnson's got that chance too. Now, I do not believe Keldon Johnson is a long-term like dynasty fantasy starter or anything like that. But he could easily average 24 a game. But it's just going to come down to efficiency. Now, he's not the greatest passer, but maybe that comes out. He's not a good defender or a defensive stats guy. He waxes and wanes with his three-point shooting. Well, that was pretty good down the stretch. This is a real chance for him to establish himself as a number one on a terrible team, but show that he can carry a bigger offensive load. Now, ideally, you want him playing a smaller 3 and D type role, a tertiary offensive type role, but that's not what's going to happen here. And these guys are going to have some pretty good value, I think. Yeah, Vassell and Johnson, their numbers are coming in. Like when sites initially opened and put out their rankings, they were all over the place. They were way off the board because you know, apparently people didn't pay attention to what the Spurs roster looked like. And now as you know, I do videos and other people talk about it, um, you start to see these numbers start coming in. You know, people start drafting them higher and the sites go, yeah, maybe we should move them up. And they do. They haven't moved up quite enough yet, but they're getting that way. You have, uh, Johnson's up to 73 on Yahoo's rank. Vassell's up to 95, and yeah, you're starting to eliminate a lot of value there. Still got some value, but they're starting to eliminate some of it. Yeah, Joe Johnson's at 76 on ESPN. Vassell's still languishing at 131. Um, actually, 150 for Vassell, sorry. Calden Johnson, another breakout. Trey Jones. Oh, he is literally, legitimately the only point guard on this roster. There is Joshua Primo who they tried to make into a point guard. I don't think it went particularly well, but he'll get some reps there. There's Blake Wesley, who's like very much like a Joshua Primo, like a shooting guard type point guard as a rookie. But the Spurs don't play rookies, mate. The last time a Spurs rookie was useful, I think it was Kawhi. They just don't play enough. Some of them just don't play full stop, like Derek White or DeJounte Murray. Yeah, Vassell played a little bit as a rookie, like 17 minutes. They got three first-round picks this season. Um... Yeah, some of them will play a little bit, but you know I don't expect Wesley to start. Jones is going to get their chance. Second round pick, very good assist to turnover guy, terrible three point shooter, but good steals, good assists, good value. He's going to be an, an option as well for us to draft because you know at some places he's still too low. One twenty five on Yahoo, it's too low. Unranked on ESPN, clearly too low. He's one seventy on their category league rankings. It's too low. He could average seven, eight assists a game. What have I got him projected at? 7.6 with 13 points. He just doesn't hit threes. But legitimately, that value of assists could push him in the top 80. 
Jakob Pertl could also break out. I already think he's one of the best defensive centers in the NBA, but people don't know that. People don't, they don't care. I think he should be highly coveted by teams. I think he's got a little bit of offensive upside. He's a strong finisher, great offensive rebounder. Maybe, again, on this team with number one options gone, we see a little bit more offensively out of him, as well as being an elite rim protector, an elite defender, and he's a upcoming unrestricted free agent, and he's only 27. I feel like he's 35. He's only 27. He can really blow up. And then the other one's Primo, who I don't really believe in that much. I don't think he's particularly good. I don't think he's a good passer, a playmaker, a shooter, defender. I'm, I'm not convinced, but he's unbelievably young. He still is not 20. He won't turn 20 for another three or four months, I think it is. There is an opportunity for him to get you know, sixth man minutes behind Vassell and behind Jones. And maybe he takes it and second unit is just really improved and he looks really great. There's So there's a lot, a lot of breakout options on this team. It's quite a few sleepers as well. Vassell, as I said, is Yahoo 96, Fantrax 84, ESPN 123. I think the top 50 is in reach. Do not draft him in the top 50. Do not do that. Even top 60, I think, is your struggle there. Like, you, you can extract a little bit more value. And if someone takes him at 57, you go, okay. Like, I know I cracked the shits when Kingy took him at, like, 68 or something in a draft. Because I just want to show you that I liked him. And I wanted him on my team, and it made sense. But you don't have to have him. But he's still value. Kelden is at 97 on ESPN ADP. That's good. The problem is Kelden's uh, numbers on the other sides have come in. It's at 71 on Fantrax, 80 on Yahoo. And with, I think, a drop in efficiency... And the lack of defensive stats. Yes, there'll be increase in usage. I think that's about the right area for him. But ESPN at 97 is good. I already said Trey Jones is Yahoo 125 and unranked ranked ESPN's great, great value. And then Primo on Fantrax is 297. I'll happily take him with a last round pick. It might not work out, but I, ta- I take it and I try it. But 297 suggests that you don't want him in a 20-team league and you barely want him in a 30. But he's, I think he's better than that. Now, Primo struggled last season. He was 382nd in 19 minutes. But I think those minutes go up and that production definitely improves. And in a points league, Jakob Pertl is 84th on ESPN. I think he's a top 50 points league player on ESPN's uh, system. That's too low, that ADP of 84. doesn't make a lot of sense to have it that low. Because this is a team with a lot of players that nobody cares about or knows about, I don't really think there's any busts on the board at the moment. If you go high and take Vassell at 50, there's a risk. If you take Johnson at 50, that's a risk of busting for sure. If you take Pertl at 50... Then he gets traded and plays 22 minutes. It's a bust. But at the moment, that's not what ADP is suggesting. So I don't see anyone sitting at those at ADPs that look egregiously out of whack. So what do we do in the last round? You know, in most cases, Primo, Vassell, Pirtle, Jones, they're all drafted already. Did I say Primo? I didn't mean to say Primo. Vassell, Pirtle, Johnson, Jones. They're all gone. I think Primo is worth having a look at in that last round. I don't expect him to be the starter. I think it's Trey Jones, but maybe they just lean into it as their lottery pick from last season. I think he's like a 24-minute-a-night player. He needs to improve in his um, passing, his shooting, his defense. The, the numbers on defense were bad. Um, but he's got good size, and it's worth taking a look. And then the other one is um, Jeremy Sohan. Sohan now! The Spurs, as I said, traditionally do not play rookies. And I think they'll start the year with Keldon Johnson and Doug McDermott as their starting forwards. But Sohan does have really good fantasy value. Really good, sorry, fantasy upside and a fantasy skill set. He can block shots. I think he can pass a little bit. He can get steals. The shooting might be the real worry there. Free throws and field goals. Not sure where the usage goes. But if they just bite the bullet and start him, play him 28 minutes a night as a starter, he might get 1.4 steals and a block. 
He might also get 10 points on 37% shooting and really cramp things up. But I don't know what their plan is for Sohan at this point. I think he'll be in the rotation, but will they play him? Like Doug only played like 21, 22 minutes a night last season anyway. So Sohan could easily get more than that like straight away and then build into a larger role as the season goes on. So until we get more information about what the lineups are going to be in rotations, like if we're drafting now, grab Sohan in that last round and we see where it goes. And we said they've also got guys like Roby or Keita Bates-Diop who Pop has relied upon, some would say, me, um, relied upon too much over the course of his career. And they are there. They've also got Josh Richardson still around as well. And these sort of middling middling um, veterans, uh, they're not guys that we we love as options, but they're guys that could impact our plans because of the way that Popovich will occasionally run rotations, which is annoying, obviously, for us, because we want the young guys to put up numbers. Let's look at the roster. I think it'll be Jones, Vassell, Johnson, McDermott, Pirtle. The only thing I could see happening is Primo starting, or Josh Richardson starting and pushing Keldon to the four with McDermott on the bench. I really don't think Sohan starting opening night's realistic. I think Primo might be there. Richardson might be there. But I think these are the starters. Jones, Vassell, Keldon, Doug, and Pirtle. Jones is a guy around the 80 to 100 mark. Vassell in the 65 to 85 range. Don't go too high. Keldon's in the 65 to 75 range. McDermott, you don't draft. He's just not a good fantasy player, and I don't think he's going to play big minutes. Last season, he played 24 minutes a night and was 282nd in categories. And then Pirtle's in that 60 to 70 range, or 80 range, or 50 range. You've got to be wary of his bad free throw percentage, which is atrocious, like Mason Plumley level atrocious. But he blocks shots, he gets rebounds, he's got a high field goal percentage, and maybe we see an uptick in usage. Maybe. Then there's Primo, who we've already touched on quite a bit. <clears throat> Zach Collins, he's one to watch. If you've got stash ability... Collins and Roby will be battling for the backup spot behind Pirtle. And then if Pirtle is dealt or injured, one of those guys will start and they both have amazingly fantasy-friendly games. So Roby and Collins, who I think will both be ahead of Gorgie Jeng, there is an opportunity for both of them um, to be considered, to be stashed. I think it'll be Collins, not Roby, but Roby was really good last year. I don't believe he's a 40% three-point shooter like he showed last season. But he is an interesting prospect. And Roby is, what, 24? Collins is, well, they're the same age. Holy shit. Um, Collins is a better player, I think, and a more upside player. But they both have really, really good fantasy games. Josh Richardson, yeah, his little peak and prime is is done. I Maybe he starts, but even if he started and played 29 minutes, and I, I don't think I'd run to grab him, to be honest. I just don't think he's going to have that level of impact he had a few years ago playing for Miami. Gorgie Jeng will sort of sit around on that bench. Sohan, we spoke about. There's Bates Diop, who occasionally gets minutes, but honestly, he's just not very good. He was uh, showed a little bit coming out of Ohio State, but he was an older rookie. He got some steals there, hit some threes, but that hasn't really translated over. Then there's the young guys. There's Malachi Branham, who I think is going to develop into a pretty good player. I just don't think, with Primo, with Jones, with Vassell, with Richardson still there, that Branham's going to get a huge role early on. And I think it'll take him a little bit of time to figure out. He's also someone who's a little bit allergic to three-point shooting even though he's a great mid-range shooter. He's got a little bit of defensive upside as well, but I think it's going to be a rough rookie season for him. Same with Blake Wesley, who might have the worst field goal percentage in the NBA. But I think he can create. Like, I think he might... There's a chance that he averaged like six assists per 36, Blake Wesley, and 15 points on 35% shooting. He's one to watch. There's a couple of two ways. Jordan Hall, who's a point guard, he might have to play. 
the lack of point guards mean he might have to play at least in some games. So that's what deeper leagues want to look at. And then Don Barlow is a two-way guy. I thought he should have been drafted. Upside as a shot-blocking power forward. I'd like to see the shot develop a little bit from Barlow. Um, but he's got some upside. So again, he's a dynasty guy to watch, but there are a few guys ahead of him now with Roby and Collins and Jeng. Then there's Joe Wieskamp, who was a two-way guy last year. They brought him back. They've also got Alizé Johnson. There's Romeo. They need to cut someone. Alizé Johnson, Romeo Langford, Tommy Coos, who are on the roster. And out of Wieskamp, Johnson, and Langford, only one of those guys makes the roster. I think Romeo Langford's been a huge disappointment in the NBA. He is quite a good defender. He's quite a good defender, but offensively, it's just a disaster. Now, I could see him making this roster over Wieskamp, but the Spurs didn't draft Langford. He was part of the Richardson deal in terms of trading away Derek White. Um, they got a first-round pick out of it. I'm not sure how committed the Spurs are. He barely played for San Antonio last year. And I just his offense is just so, so bad that having Wieskamp there as a shooter might actually be more useful. But out of Wieskamp, Johnson, Coos, and Langford, only one of those guys is going to make the final roster. Not that they're going to have really any fantasy impact at all, but only one of them is going to make the final roster. And that brings us to the question for the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl. Where did Dominic Barlow play last season? The answer is Overtime Elite. So in the body of your email, in the subject, you write Spurs Cats for a category league entry. You write Spurs Points for a points league entry. In the body of the email, you write Overtime Elite. That is the answer to where Dominic Barlow played his basketball last season before going undrafted this year. That'll do it. Will it do it? Yeah, we'll do it. That'll do it for today's show. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app on YouTube. Thumb it up. Drop your comments down below, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.